My whole life has been dictated by someone else. Someone who's been saying, you will. Now? Now I feel like I've discovered my own voice. It says, I may. Drop it! Duncan and both come correct. Fucking samurais, that's all I'm going to say. Fucking samurais. Just don't cock tease oh. me with this. Just let's do it. Um, I Like, I knew it was coming already. I, I don't need that to be the climax. I've already oh. climaxed at the thought. Um, Erection. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, don't get me wrong, but just uh. quit, quit putting the tip in and let's sink this thing. <laughs> um, hey, folks. Welcome to Duncan and Bo, uh, Go to Westworld, a tiny division of Duncan and Bo Come Correct. Um, mm-hmm. We are uh, once more uh, careening our way through a new season of the HBO series Westworld. And it has been uh, a fast and furious ride so far, if I can mix my cinematic metaphors. <laughs> but- I we were going with this at all. <laughs> I'm just introducing the show is all. And uh, here with me, as always, is my pal, Duncan McLeish. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I like to think of this kind of small part of the extended Dunboco universe as being our west wing of our large corporate building. Like the walking and talking shots and... Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think that's what we do well, is, uh, is a lot of talking. Maybe not so much of the walking because we're podcasters, but a, a lot of talking. So I, that's why I, I imagine like a giant kind of corporate office, Dunboco, you know, in the front of it. And then um, there's there's different divisions. And right now at the far west side of the building is, is our division where we talk about Westworld. So. I am now picturing uh, essentially the Hudsucker uh, <laughs> offices, <laughs> which would be awesome. Yes, let's make that happen. <laughs> you know, we'll for kick kids. start that. <laughs> we'll just kickstart that. I mean, it'll only cost how much? Uh, you know, I don't know how much the office costs. Let, let's call it an even ten million. Yeah, I mean, we can we could do that. We could kickstart that overnight, Bo. Oh, are you kidding me? All the <laughs> all the iTunes. <laughs> you just need to monetize iTunes yeah. reviews. Well, they started a new. Uh, uh, sort of a, a Patreon style site <laughs> called Patroon. <laughs> not to be confused with Patron, which no. is you know. Well, let's not let's, let's not get sued, Bo. <laughs> there are a lot of legal battles around the name right now, but you can still contribute to Dunboco yep. through Patron via the iTunes site. Uh, it, it may offset some of those legal costs. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a real Michael Cohen yeah. situation. Yeah. Uh, For every dollar we make on Patron, we get to keep a whole cent. Yeah, it, it's, it's true. Business, yeah, they're it's business. You know, I make good deals. Uh, <laughs> so, so before we get started in talking about uh, Westworld. Uh, here on this show, we like to begin by just talking about what we've been watching lately, both good and bad. And uh, Duncan, what mm-hmm. uh, what good and bad have you been watching recently? Um, not much in the way of bad. I'm still kind of 
I'm still running the high of of watching fairly good stuff. Nice. Um, I have taken a small break from Ray Donovan uh, because, well, one, I've ran out of um, Prime. Uh, like the first like three seasons are on Prime, and then you have to pay beyond that. So um, my friend has uh, has them on Blu-ray, seasons four and five. So he has given me them. I've just uh, I've still to open them, to start watching. Um, so Netflix are Netflix are cool. I, I like Netflix. Netflix, what they're doing really well at the moment is they're just like giving so much content, like like ridiculous amounts of content covering everything. So I've started a couple of things in the interim. Uh, one being the sci-fi um, produced show Happy, which I watched the first episode and it is fucking bonkers and it looks like a lot of money's been spent on it. And um, sci-fi confused me, Bo, um, because we're talking about the people that do Sharknado. And, but also the people who do the expanse, which is pretty good. Well, well, I was about to say the offset. The offset this with really well put together stuff that, for some reason, isn't what the company is known for. You know what I mean? So, like they're, they're behind um, the Channel Zero um, series, which which I think are really interesting, really well put together, really atmospheric um, horror TV content. But when people talk about sci-fi, you tend to think of, you know, Megacroc versus, you know, Mecha. Gatoroid. Yeah, Gatoroid, you know what I mean? That's what people t- tend to think of. But they are, like, chipping away in the background doing some really interesting content, Happy being one of them. So first episode down, um, it's like it's like Sin City on acid. Um it's, it's, it's gearing itself up to be very interesting. So um, I, I'm I'm very much looking. At the director of it is the guy that did Mum and Dad, uh, the Nick Cage. Hmm, yeah, okay. And Insanity Fest. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's proving to be quite interesting. I'm kind of hoping for our next recording. I will have maybe even finish that season. Um, I've also started watching. They are doing a docu series just now on Bobby Kennedy. It's like a six-part one. Um, I'm two episodes into that, and that's fascinating because it's it's being a bit more critical than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a bit of a fluff piece, but they've got like a really good um, kind of broad dynamic of people from from all sides that had to deal with them, whether it's you know on on kind of civil rights, which the whole first episode sets up uh, Bobby Kennedy's. Uh, part in getting um, JFK elected and all the work he did behind the scenes and it, the first episode finishes with um, the assassination and it's going to basically the, the next couple of episodes are obviously going to chart his you know, his campaign up to the point that he was assassinated as well but you're getting people like calling it like they see it at the time where they're saying yeah he's well he was behind you know like people remember him for all this all the good things he did later on but you know he was responsible for wiretaps on martin luther king he signed the document him and j edgar hoover so you know i mean like i i I like it and it i I tend to find myself being quite fascinated by specifically um like american political documentaries anyway specifically around that era because you guys had a lot going on um 
whether it's you know Vietnam, the moon landings, uh, civil rights, you know, just like a couple of things that were happening. <laughs> all at Kept once. everyone uh, busy, yeah, 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 pretty much. So it's been it's been really good as well. So out with that, I was just telling you, I'm just back from seeing uh, the new Strangers movie, Strangers Two, Prey, Prey at Night, Prey, Prey of Night, the Prey at Night, Prey Two Night. <laughs> Uh, pray send your love. <laughs> I don't know. Pray tell. Um, and yeah, I was fully going in expecting to not like that movie and have that as my bad. Hence, why I haven't put any effort into finding something bad to watch because I thought, yeah, this is a given because I am not a fan of that first movie at all. I, I think the first movie is one that is ridiculously overhyped for something that is a very run of the mill paint by numbers home invasion movie and i've seen it done you know a lot better elsewhere but for some reason i want to say it's the masks i that's the only thing i can think of that maybe differentiates it from the likes of your straw dogs or something i, I that's my guess well and was also the fact that the, the movie was so much about the random nature of this like the the yeah. line that got that sold the movie which I think is the reason the movie kind of works is the, you know, why, why did you do this to us? Because you were home. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's something innately creepy about that to me. And yeah, I don't think it's a great movie, but I think, I think it's all right. I think it's kind of a, a fun drive-in style movie that aspires to be a little bit more, but yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I land down with the, the second movie, which I, I don't think is as well put together as the first movie, even though I have issues with how the first movie is put together. I will say the second movie is a whole hell of a lot of fun. Um, it really is. It, it's a marked shift change in tone towards slasher uh, subgenre as opposed to home invasion, which is good because we've done that. We don't need to see that again. Um, what I am confused about, uh, like... I will need to, like, I think if I think about the movie too much, I will, yeah, I could easily pick it to shreds. Like, I'm I'm fairly sure that first movie, and I might be wrong about this, I'm fairly sure, is the first movie not set, like, in the 90s? Uh, I, I don't recall it being a period piece, but maybe. I can't remember, I can't remember anyone having, I can't remember them having mobile phones. I, I don't, you know, maybe. Yeah, and, yeah I, I wanted, like, what, what, uh, we we will continue this conversation while I Google it, because I, I don't think it is, but the, the new one is definitely, I mean, there's people with smartphones in that movie, which means time has passed. Um, I'm just, what, what, while we're just talking, I'm now thinking... Uh, there may be issues here. Uh, what was it, 2008? Yeah, so I think, yeah, um, loosely based on the murders that happened in 1981, but maybe it's not set in 1981. Yeah, I'm wasting too long doing this. Yeah, uh, I, anyway. I, 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 I don't recall it being a period piece, but are, so you're saying there's a shift in time from, in your perception, yeah. from Strangers to the sequel. Yeah. I've just got I've got it in my head that that first Strangers movie is set in a time period where there's no mo neither character had a mobile phone, and that to me is 
you don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone has a mobile phone. Even in 2008, everyone had a mobile phone. Um, so if your characters don't have mobile phones, then that to me usually denotes that it's set in a time period where there are no mobile phones. So i.e. maybe the 90s. I've got in my head it's the 90s, that first movie set in, and this one's certainly set in 2018 um, or 2017, one of the two. Uh, and as such, I would have expected, what's that, it's 20 years uh, age on the, the killers. Um, and there is a reveal of one of the killers and she looked quite young. That's So unless 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 they change up every couple of years and pass it down the line. Um, that, to me, is like a glaring plot hole. Out with that, though, um, the kills are ridiculous, over the top. It has a kind of quirky sense of humour, which I kind of liked. Um, it obviously, the, the filmmaker, I think, wants this to be like the next big slasher movie. And as such, the first half of the movie really tries to aim high. Uh, and I think halfway through it, someone sat him down and said that that's not what people are paying to see. They just want, they just want over the top slasher nonsense. Um, <laughs> right. Let's not let, let's not fuck around, everybody. Let's just show somebody with a fire poker in their eye. Yeah, and I, at that point, they were like, "Yeah, let's just do that." And as a result, it's it, it definitely moves. I mean, a couple of scenes which are um, creepy not creepy in terms of the tone of the first movie which did have a couple of genuine kind of creepy moments this one plays much more for for fun as as a fun as as that's what i would say is a fun movie to watch um and the acting is is not great (laughs) i just star christina hendricks though which really yeah christina hendricks is in it and the dad is another actor that you will have seen in things before um, and they're, they are fairly good acting. The kids in the movie uh, are terrible. It, it, our central final girl is a bad actress, like a really bad actress but she has a look and that's why she's been cast. <laughs> so yeah, as I, I would say you get the opportunity to see it when it swings onto a Netflix or something, watch it uh, on a, like a Friday night or something, couple of beers, bowl of popcorn, sit down and watch it. You, you will have fun with it. It's not a great movie, but it's it's entertaining, which I've seen plenty of movies that are, you know, really well casted and really well acted, but are dry as sand. Um, so every now and again, you have to offset that. And I think, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was ex- I genuinely, you can see I'm maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit lost for because I genuinely expected to be sitting here going that well it's just a shite franchise isn't it but um and I kind of I kind of can't say that it, it, it did a lot it did a lot right um and a couple of the shots are actually a couple of the shots in the movie I was like that's cool that's really I, that's a that's a centerpiece shot well done um but then someone opens their mouth and says a line of dialogue, and I'm like, nah, it's not good. In fact, I do know what I've seen bad. Fucking, what am I doing? All right, uh, I don't know. Down, downrange. I've just, oh, I've the just, Yuhei Kitamura film. Yeah, it's, a, it's not a good movie. That's a shame. <laughs> it's the acting. It's the, the concept of the movie is really interesting. Uh, the setting of the movie is really interesting. The practical effects are phenomenal. Um, just no one speaks like a human being in the movie or acts like a human being um and yeah and the ending wasn't good um out with that though uh 
there was like it was a frustrating movie to watch. A really frustrating movie. Uh, me and Baz uh, reviewed it. Just put out a review on Monday's episode of podcast under the stairs, and um, like Baz just off the top of his head said, "Yeah, I kind of hoped that the movie ended this way, and his ending was fucking amazing." And I was like, "That why did they not use that ending?" Because to me, had I saw that ending, I would be like, "That's great." Instead of what they did, but. Yeah, he's been um, he's been off the radar for a little while. I know he got kind of shafted quite badly with Midnight Meat Train, um, and I want to say this is his first American movie since. Maybe can't think of anything in between. And obviously, he come off his uh, verses. He did, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the his his first movie that. Yeah, verses is a bitching movie. So yeah, um, made for nothing on a weekend. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I can see why Hollywood were like, give him money. Um, and I know he did. He did. He did get quite badly uh, treated. Um, I think it was the release of Midnight Meat Train just got butchered. Um, but, yeah, Downrange is, is a, that is the definition of a frustrating watch because there are so many elements of it that he gets right that other movies just don't get right. You know what I mean? He leans into his practical effects, which is brilliant because it's a gory movie. Um, and he, he's, he's got a great setting and a, a concept that you will have seen before, but he, he handles it in a slightly different way. And all of that I was completely on board with, but you have to spend time with two-dimensional characters that have two-dimensional strangers because um, it's all about like, they're they're car pulling or car sharing um, so none of the characters know each other so you would think you, you're flung at that situation you're going to get a bit of backstory on something no, no backstory on any character at all and as a result you just don't care uh, and none of them speak like humans <laughs> the dialogue is really 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 bad um, and that was upsetting because like I say I, I, I thought so much of it was handled really well and then yeah yeah, that, that's... that is disappointing, man. Because yeah. he's he's yeah. the director that, like I said, I don't think Midnight Meat Train is a great movie, but there's, I thought as adaptations go, uh, of that source material, it handled quite a lot well. Um, it just had like really bad CGI, like really, and that's yeah. aged horribly since. Um, but the, you know, as adaptations go of the source material, I thought I thought it did it quite well. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my bad. I would say you could probably skip that one. Uh, it's on Shudder. It's exclusively on Shudder at the moment. So if you don't believe me or want to make up your own mind on it, that's there to watch. If you've got if you pay for the streaming site, you watch it. I just yeah, I think you're probably going to agree with me when you watch it. It's just as it's specifically from your background of you know writing, <laughs> like I think you watch it and just be like that. Why is why are people talking like this? <laughs> Yeah, if I expect the movie to be good, but there's also that line a movie can cross where the dialogue is so bad that I start to root for it to get worse. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it falls into the dead zone of, like, well, it's not terrible, but Mm. not recommendable yeah. either you know yeah it's not it's not laughably bad dialogue you're not going to be sitting there going like oh my god i can't believe you just said that you're just going to be sitting going who speaks like this <laughs> like like you know like, what what 20 something speaks like this it, it just doesn't make any sense um and they all speak like that um and there is like one of the the another thing that can annoy me is the the, the 
the black male in the movie um, actor has like is, is the definition of a you know we will put this character in for diversity but not do anything at all with him other than make him fodder. So he is the token black of the movie and that kind of annoyed me a little bit because I kind of think to myself, are we not past that stage now, really? <laughs> like, come on, it's 2018. Uh, we've got fucking Get Out, you know what I mean? Get Out is like showing us what we can do and this is what we have. Um, so, yeah. Sounds good. Um... I can't wait, I can't wait <laughs> to hear you. You should watch it before the next... The next time we record, I know you won't, but you should watch it before the next time I, we record. We'll see. I, 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 I got my own problems. Um, <laughs> what, so, what have you, what have you seen that was really good, or did I miss that in the melange of mediocre films? Um, yeah, I've, I've not seen anything that's been stand out. I think that's um, that's been the the big thing from my point of view. Is nothing new anyway. I, I've watched a couple of movies that are just you know bonafide classics that there's no point of you know, like you know, there's no point of me sitting here going that but i watched the thing it turns out that's a great movie sure you know what I mean? sure so yeah so nothing like that so uh, i will um i will bow out to uh your good and bad which i i have no idea what you've been watching so this is all new to me so what have you seen good or bad uh my good duncan is a movie called jaws um no <laughs> uh <laughs> Never heard of it. Never heard of it. It's good. It's like uh, it's like the movie Grizzly, only in water. I thought you were going to say it's like the movie Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> no, I don't know that those words have ever come out of my mouth. <laughs> There's a second one of that out, and apparently it's awful. Yeah, I, I kind of want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> um. No. I uh, speaking of slightly older movies, so I was kind of doing a bit of a roundup here. And mm-hmm. uh, movies that I felt like I had not given the benefit of the doubt. Ooh. And and movies that people keep telling me, like, no, no, it's really good. And I don't remember it that way. And then I've, I've watched a couple of those. Oh, Lost Boys. Is that what you're telling me? No. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> Lost Boys plenty. And it's never good. <laughs> seen that movie more than I would ever have liked to. You just know for a fact that like seventy five percent of our listenership has just went. Bo doesn't like the Lost Boys. I, he yeah. said that on here before. This is not. I'm not breaking news here, people. He no. has said that before many times. I yeah, I stand by that. Like there, there are a plenty of good vampire films from the 1980s. The Lost Boys is not one of them. <laughs> I, I disagree, w- but we're all entitled to our own opinions. I would rather watch Vamp. Than the Lost Boys <laughs> any day Grace of the Jones, week. Grace Jones, man. Grace yeah, fucking Jones. It's a way better movie. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's. Anyway, more interesting. I, w- I will say that. But no, so I went back and watched the movie The Bay. It's that found footage movie that Barry Levinson did. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not a big fan of that movie at all. Yeah, I wasn't either. And perhaps the fact that I'm talking about it here. Uh, reveals my hand a bit, but yeah, I so I went into it thinking like, you know, I maybe maybe I just wasn't prepared for the event that is the bay, you know. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't picking up what it was laying down, Duncan. <laughs> so, so 
I, you know, I kick back. I'm excited. I'm like, yeah, all right, it's Barry Levinson. Let's let, let's give this movie every chance that perhaps I didn't give it before. And at the mm-hmm. end of it, I was like, boy, that was a whole bunch of nothing again. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the rabid love for that movie at all. That's yeah. one of those ones where I genuinely, I'm like, I'm just watching a completely different movie than everyone else. Yeah, I think it's. I don't. It, it, again, it's the you know, the strangers, dead by dawn or whatever the sequel is. <laughs> dead by dawn. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do this? We're gonna get you. <laughs> Already, Bobby a- Joe! Bobby Joe! Oh man! Uh, already a better movie. Uh, oh. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. <laughs> we should watch. We should just watch Evil Dead too right now. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um. But yeah, I just I, I thought that my big problem with the bay at the end of the day, if you Ooh. don't mind me say, Ooh. oh, I can't do any more. No way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> Shut up. And uh, my biggest problem with it was that I just don't think it went anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's just a whole lot of nothing. Right. It's like, yeah, okay, pollution is bad. It's not a scary movie either at all. There's like genuinely nothing in that movie at all, which there's no there's no atmosphere. It is a, I think it's just a very sterile movie. I think it, it, yeah. I don't know. I I know it creeps. I think it, it creeps out people that are maybe creeped out by the idea of parasites and maybe. things. Yeah, maybe. But I, you know, I, I, like like I say, it does. I've watched it twice as well. I, I watched it when it came out, and um, very much like yourself, wrote it off as a uh, painfully average sort of found footage movie. You know what I mean? I'd seen a whole hell of a lot better. I'd seen a whole hell of a lot worse. But you know, I, I just found it like a, a very banal experience. And then watched it. I think it's two or three years ago. I watched it with my wife who hadn't seen it. Um, and you know, it was one of these ones where she's like, "Oh, I've heard this is this keeps popping up on all these internet lists of movies that you know horror movie, found footage horror movies you should see." And I was like, oh, "I didn't think it was. Oh, come on, we'll watch it." And sat and watched it. It finished, and she liked it. And I once again was left with the feel like, "Have we watched the same movie?" As you know, like, is there? I'm just assuming there's something that just doesn't click with me on it um, at all. But I'm glad that you're saying that as well, because you're the only other person I know, Bo, that is just like, eh, this movie, everyone seems to love it. Yeah, I I wish that the stuff with the reporter had been better. Like, that Mm -hmm. was, I I was kind of into the fact that, like, oh, I've got this secret footage that nobody wants you to see about what happened in this town. And they show up in the town, they see a couple of dead bodies, and they're like, we better get the fuck out of here, right? And then do. (laughs) And... (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't feel like there's any stakes in that movie once you understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, here's some people that show up and then the the same thing happens to them. But it's not like these parasites are super aggressive. Like, the only time you get a hint of that is when you hear and not see whatever happens in the house. And it's like the one scene that I most want to see in this movie happens off screen. And that's fucking stupid. 
<laughs> well, yeah, especially when your movie's predicated on the the scare being being kind of set up here is what these kind of parasitic things are actually doing. Yeah. And then you don't get to see it. It's like, well, what, what's what's the... I'd be like watching Jaws, like going back to Jaws, it'd be like watching Jaws and all the deaths are just people getting sucked under the water and some blood coming up. Like, you yeah. eventually have to you eventually have to show the fucking shark you know what i mean yeah everything is just somebody clinging to a dinghy <laughs> yeah. and getting grabbed under the water <laughs> yeah that's you know what I mean? like the, like using the jaws comparison again like that's like that's why that you, know, you get all that kind of all the foreplay of those scenes for when that first time the shark comes up you're like oh fuck you know we, yeah we, we, when when Brody's chumming it, um, and you're like, oh fuck, um, and that's what you need. You need that pay. You need that payoff, and the bay doesn't have that payoff. And as a result, it's just like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. Yeah, I'm maybe like, yes. maybe that's my big problem is it doesn't feel like a story. Yeah, it's just here's some stuff that happened, and that was kind of gross, right? But just kind of like I mean, but that. Found footage. I can see the. I can see the, the idea that that's what found footage is supposed to. Found. No, it's not even technically found footage. If we're being correct, it's like full. Well, no, technically it's like full documentary. Found a footage mockumentary. I, yeah, sort of thing. But I, the whole point is that you know, I mean, you're 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 seeing this this thing you're not supposed to see. Um, as audience members, and and we're going to relive through this thing that's been buried and hidden away, and all the rest, and all like that. That's that's super cool, right? But you know, if I was in a conspiracy theories and all the rest, and I was handed something as banal as this, um, I'd probably tell the government line. <laughs> yeah, let's cover it up. How about that? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah let's, the story's let's, boring. Let's, yeah, yeah, like go and take it. It'd be like the end of Indiana Jones. I'm just be like putting it in a wooden crate and then like let's just put this somewhere that no one will ever find it for reasons of of boredom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's it really is a shame because I, you know, on my repeat viewing of it, I really. I felt like I was going to turn a corner on it because the first in the right frame of mind. I think that's like sometimes you watch a movie and you think to yourself, I, I do this all the time when people rave about a movie. I'm like that. Maybe I just wasn't in the right frame of mind when I watched it. So you go in for your second movie, just expecting you go in a lot more positive, expecting a positive experience. And there's nothing worse than really getting yourself up. This is going to right this time. And you sit and watch, you get to the end and you're just like, no, not this time. <sighs> You know yeah, I, mean? yeah. I, I it it didn't work any of the times. Um, mm. So uh, enough about the bay. Let us never. What's your good then? What's your good? All right. So here's another one that th- this is more of a uh, one Richard Glenn Schmidt being big <laughs> on this movie and and prompting me to see it. Mm. Is the film Der Samurai? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed that movie. That movie it's, is it's surprisingly good. Yeah, that movie is all about uh, a repressed German cop whose id comes to town and fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I thought it was. It, uh, it's one of those movies that I think benefits by its runtime, which yeah. is maybe ninety minutes. Yeah, I think yeah. 
it, fl- it flows really, really quick. That's a movie that knows exactly, it knows exactly how ridiculous its premise is and how long that premise should stay. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, hey, there is a, a point that this movie is trying to make. It is going to build the scenes in a way to make that point, and then we're done. And yeah, you need no more than that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. It is German efficient, Duncan, as a film. <laughs> of like, like that is a movie where the trains run on fucking time. Yeah, I fight, I fight. <laughs> right, it, but I was really, I, I really was taken aback by it, um, mostly because of the, I guess, quantity of male nudity in the movie. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot of dick in that film. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. There is a healthy amount of wang. Um, <laughs> so if that's your thing, you know, definitely check out Der Samurai. But Philip Wang and his three brothers are in this movie? I swear to God, man, that dick probably does have brothers. <laughs> dick probably has kids of its own. Uh, what I'm saying is the guy's got kind of a big dick at the end of that movie. But, yeah, yeah it's it, like... The thing I, I really dug about it is that it really is this sort of movie about sort of repressed sexuality and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's all about repressed male sexuality, and and the women in the movie are more just, like, curious about it. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I again, I thought it was very smart. I thought it, it, it had something to say and, and, and did it really well and in a really interesting and at times kind of hilarious fashion. Um, yeah, the scene where you know Der Samurai in question is just running through an alley, just breaking whatever. Uh, I I've responded to that. I was like, I was a teenager too, and that looks like a good time. <laughs> yeah, I checked it out. Like he he posted about a month ago for the first time, um, and uh, both. Uh, both of us had this like, very very quick conversation on it and I was like that I remember this doing the festival run and getting a bit of buzz years ago and he's like yeah yeah you should totally, you should totally check you, you you will enjoy and I watched it at the time and I was like yeah this is this is fun it's a fun fucking movie um, so yeah that's yeah if it takes more if it takes Richard to champion this movie and this podcast to mention it out loud for other people to go because I know we have we have people out there that occasionally listen to our recommendations Bo. Um yeah go and check this movie out and then go back and tell Richard what you thought of it and let us know as well yeah all of those things <laughs> Duncan I yes. feel as if we have accomplished our uh, our exchange of films in almost record time I don't it does feel that way I don't <laughs> know it. I don't know how to account for this uh <laughs> Other German uh, efficiency. This is Einstein. Einstein. So, (laughs) are you just doing Hogan's Heroes at this point? Yeah, literally. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I see nothing. Um. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to take a a quick break, Mm -hmm. and we're going to come right back and talk about episode uh, three. Is that where we are already? Yeah, the third, third episode already. Yeah. of uh, of Westworld season two, uh, a, an episode entitled "Virtue a Fortuna" mm-hmm. or "E Fortuna." Eh, who, who gives a shit? We'll be right back. 
Black Anis Horror Podcast. The podcast that will change your life forever. Repetition of the repetition. Is that a word? That is now a word. Intense. Zero whatevers. So insightful that you will question your place in the universe. You just said you wanted to see somebody stab a fish. Mind-blowing. That is not what... That's not... No. Inspiring. It's one of two things all the way through. Either predictable or stupid. Life-changing. This is going to be filled with spoilers. Black Anna's Horror Podcast. Exclusively available on the Legion Podcast Network. It's almost like a little advertisement. Yeah, the advert makes it sound so promising. Folks, welcome back. Our episode tonight, entitled uh, Virtue E Fortuna, or A Fortuna, we didn't resolve that, um, is direct. <laughs> this break was meaningless. <laughs> uh, is directed by Richard J. Lewis, uh, known for other episodes of Westworld, as well as uh, Crime Crime Scene Investigation, aka, AKA CSI. A um, yep. couple of features in there. That's all I had. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of a good uh, Caruso line there, and I I had nothing. I and yeah. which is crazy, Duncan, considering the amount of crime procedurals I've seen in my life. Oh, you should have had loads. I should have, and I got yeah. nothing. Man, <laughs> it's it's what happens when I record on my day off. My brain gets all lazy. Yep. Yep. Start playing video games and it rots my head. Um, this is what happens, Bo, every single time. By the way, you should play that God of War. It's pretty oh, good. you don't need to tell me that I need to play that game. That game is at the top of my when Duncan has free time, you must play this game list. Yeah, I've been working on it. It looks incredible. It is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what were we talking about? Richard Lewis. Uh, Richard J. Lewis. <laughs> Director of this episode of Westworld. It is written by Ron Fitzgerald and Robert Patino, uh, both television writers uh, who... I Ron Fitzgerald, I think his, his only credit this season is this episode. Robert Patino was in on the premiere episode and will also be on episode nine. Oh, uh, right. Working on that. So we uh, we pick up Duncan exactly where we left off in the previous episode, by which I mean, where the? Um, <laughs> yeah, like th- this episode. Um, what I kind of love about this episode is right from the office, like that. Remember how we tease certain things. Remember, remember when? Remember when we dropped that, that a little, a little nugget in there to say that this was park number whatever. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to pick up on that now, and we're going to start doing things. And by the way, it's not what you think, because I had it in my head, and we'll get to this pretty quick. But I had it in my head that they weren't all right beside each other, and it kind of turns out that they are. Right, there seem to be sort of neutral zones in between, but yeah, yeah. it's it, it's supposed to be 
all kind of clustered together. A multiverse of worlds, if you will, Duncan. All yeah. rubbing up against one another. Which I kind of love, though. I, I really like that idea because the last thing I need is some, you know, like huge Jurassic Park-esque fence uh, separating parks. I, I don't want that. You know what I mean? I, I like the idea of, you know, things just kind of blending into each other. Uh, and you have this central hub where you arrive and then you just go off and you can go to whatever park you want. But yeah, essentially this this episode starts off and the first thing that sprung to mind with me is like that, right? This kind of feels like a almost kind of um kind of English colonies. Yeah, it's colonial sort of world. In, yeah, it's yeah, colonial world. <laughs> yeah, and we're we're in um, we're in India. Um India. India. China. China. Um, <laughs> so that's where we are. And um, we're kind of given this like offshoot story, which like instantly kind of sparked to my imagination because we get two characters that I'm like that. Right, these are two brand new characters. Are we, you know, is this like, is this before? Is it because they, they play with time so much in Westworld now that my kind of default position on any scene that happens now is when is this it's like it's like quantum leap or or the end of twin peaks yeah (laughs) you're constantly in a state of what year is this or the end of like the army of darkness i slept too long um you know i mean constantly don't know where we are when it is context is all over the place and yeah so we start off with um this gentleman uh, partaking of a beverage, observing a young lady um, dismissing a man who we assume is either is either a waiter or a man trying to flirt with her, and uh, he thinks to himself, "Well, you know, what who toodle pip?" Um, <laughs> that's not how we talk. I shall, um, <laughs> I shall win this young lady's affections. I will. <laughs> As he as he twirls his Bronson moustache, yeah. Um, so yeah, so he, he but goes he, yeah, he, and, he's just got the horns for, her and yes. is like, I'm about to get up on this thing, and then it turns out that she's a person, she's yeah. not a, a host or or nothing, and yeah. uh, is like, you know, I, uh, I'm going hunting. He's like, is that so? Perhaps the most dangerous prey is your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to mount it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand, Mum? Uh, or something. And, and so, like, a host shows up and is like, you know, sir, the governor wants to see you. And he he's like, no, no, I believe I found my prey, by which I mean her vagina. And I'm just going to stress that none of these accents are remotely accurate, but I'm sticking with them because a hundred percent. And 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 so, um, sh- you know, he's like, well, they'll they'll go to great lengths to kind of keep like human strangers guests in the park. It's like, oh, let's keep them apart, and like they're they're both kind of doing their own stories. Yeah, and and she's like, uh, uh-uh, baby. Let's go back to my place. And he's like, oh, pip pip. And <laughs> is the hunters on? Um, <laughs> the hunters afoot. <laughs> and yeah, 
she's she is immensely skeptical in a way which I'm quite happy about because this is something I don't think the show has really touched on at all before in a way which I kind of feel that if see if I went on vacation ball to a place like Westworld, every interaction I had I would be thinking in the back of my head, is this a host or is this a human? Because they're so they're so close to us in appearance the way they act. They've been designed that way. That and because everyone's in costume as well, every interaction I'd be thinking, you know, there's obvious ones that are, yeah, you're definitely a host. Um but I would have that in the back of my head. And this is the first time we've seen someone be like, right, before we do anything, before you, you know, before the hunt begins, so to speak, um, I need to know, are you a host or are you a human? And he's like, what, what? And yeah, because he's like, I, you know, I assure you, mum, I am quite human and fully erect. And, <laughs> and she's like, hey, before we get down, before before you get to Gracetown, her name is, the character's name is Grace. Uh, mm-hmm. Before you get to go to Gracetown, um, I'm going to take this gun and I'm going to shoot Grace you. Land. Oh, Graceland, of course. He's going to Graceland, Graceland. Right between her thighs, he's going to Graceland. <laughs> And <laughs> poor boys and families, indeed, Duncan. And uh, so she just whips out a gun and and uh, is like, "Look, you know, if you're what you say you are, if you're not a host, then this is just gonna sting a little bit, and everything's gonna be cool." And so she pulls out a a, a German Luger and and shoots uh this dude right in the chest and he falls down and for a second the the show does a little dipsy doodle on you where it's mm-hmm. like hey he just died and then uh he starts to groan and is like hey that fucking hurt man and she's <laughs> like don't worry about it cuz now that you have been human penis verified <laughs> you're going to Graceland Graceland <laughs> Maybe yeah, anal to you. You're going to Graceland. <laughs> <laughs> and, sodomy. Sodomy. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, after they get down, like uh, he joins her for this big expedition where she wants to go to the edge of the park yeah. uh, in colonial world where it's just subduing... Asian people apparently. Um, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're, go- they're gonna they're gonna hunt a tiger. Uh, uh, yeah, a Bengal tiger, Duncan. Yeah, Shere uh, Khan from the Jungle Book. Um, so that's you know that's who they're gonna go and hunt. They're gonna hunt you know the man's deadliest prey, which apparently wasn't her vagina. Um, and they arrive, and she's like, something's a bit strange here. Where 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 is the help? Um, it was a different time, ball. It was a different time. Um, well, the future, Duncan, is where it is. Yep. Yeah, it was a different, a different time in the future. Uh, where, where, where's the help? We should have you know cooks and all the rest. I wonder um, if there's a plantation world. Oh, I mean, because this is just a half step away, right? 
Well, it is. Like, um, one could make the argument, and I would maybe agree with said argument, that um, without going political here, uh, the colonial um, occupation of India by England, because I'm distancing Scotland from this motherfucker, um, resulted in the death of, well, deaths of, I think it's up to a million. Um, so, yeah. Good times, Bo. Good times. Um, right. But, but you know, in a very real way, this show is saying, hey, these people were essentially slaves and the slaves are now revolting. And yeah. And that's and, and, and it's, it's on point. It's on message for this season, Bo. It's completely on message. Um, but, you know, as soon as she's like, well, they're not here the first thing that goes through my head is right. All oh, right. We're, this is happening now then, you know I mean? This is happening within this two week period of the park going crazy, most likely on the side of things have just, you know, shit has just went down because, you know, we're like, no one else seems to be aware of it, etc. And she looks around and she goes over to a tent and there's a lot of dead humans in there, bro. It has been a massacre. Um, and that's the point that one of the the handsmen, Gunshu, uh, his name is Gunshu, um, appears out of the background uh, with a gun, and she tries to talk him down. Uh, and this guy's talking all about violent delights and violent desires, and um, we know that doesn't mean good things. But well, not <laughs> if you're a guest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you're a host, it's definitely good. Um, yeah, and uh, this this dude puts down. Um, the man who we know is a man who was shot earlier on. Uh, at first, I'm, in fact, I'm not entirely because the it looks like he gets shot in the shoulder again. Um, and it, I don't know if he will be back. Or if I, I think he got dead. shot in the heart. Is the thing? All oh, right. So because he goes down and he doesn't move, yeah. and then we're left with an another strong female character, well played, Westworld. Um, very happy about this because she kicks right in the survival mode, um, and you know goes uh, goes to goes to to make her escape. And wouldn't you know, Bo, she gets confronted by the very thing she was hunting, the giant Bengal. Right? Yeah, it was, it's a real like you gotta be fucking kidding me, right? <laughs> I mean. I just had to blow away the guy who, you know, was my guide at, in colonial world. And mm. now uh, I'm being hunted by a tiger. She's got this sawed off shotgun, which, uh, like, she runs past the edge of the park, essentially. Yeah. She yeah, so she yeah she keeps running. She she shoots she shoots the tiger. The tiger is unfazed, um, and continues tracking her down. This takes her right out to the edge, um, and we see like obviously like man made structure bridge going across a quarry, um, and a, a body of water, which she then is right on the very edge. And I'm like, that is she going to jump? You know what's going to happen? She has one cartridge left in her shotgun uh, the tiger takes a running jump at her pimpsies at her, gun goes off and yeah, that's the end of that scene. Yeah, um, well they both go over the side by all accounts mm-hmm. and and yeah, she's we cut two credits where it's like yeah, check it out Westworld you ain't the only <laughs> world out there we got racist colonial world too yeah 
And yeah. instantly I'm like that. Oh right, so like now I'm thinking, you know, are we gonna are we gonna spend any more time in Colonial World this episode? No, no, we're not. Well, and, and so I think Westworld. it's setting the stage, and and when we get to the end of the episode, it puts a finer point on it. I think, but uh, it's just setting yeah. the stage for hey, this season, get ready to start seeing some of these other worlds because the same thing is happening everywhere. Yeah, and I think that's I think it's cool because like I, it's a danger with setting up something that the the as as the B. Isn't it really? Because like, like there's a lot of talk happening on this show about you know cool things that are happening elsewhere, and if I don't get to see those cool things happening elsewhere, I'm gonna get a bit frustrated. Um, and they, they they give us a they give us a tease here. This this episode is definitely bookended with things that I'm like, right, this is cool because we're we're now expanding out. The previous episode expanded the mythology into the past. Uh, we got to see the origins of the park, etc. And this episode's like, right, we're back within our two-week time loop, so to speak. But now we're going to broaden things out. So we're, if you imagine time being a line which goes from back to front, this 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 week's episode moves things horizontally, uh, left to right. So we're getting we're getting a bit of, we're getting a bit of width and depth to the the actual park, the Westworld Park, and we, we get our credits. And I am excited. And then we jump right in with, remember what happened like a couple of well, two weeks ago? Uh, that's where we're going back to. It's time to to rejoin um, some groups that were off doing their thing um, a couple of weeks ago and pick up with people like Bernard, for instance. Um, yeah, and, and, and security team Alpha or whatever, the crack team that's shown up to, you know, straight up handle the business of this uprising. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they're they're marching um, down some some railroad tracks toward uh, one of the outposts or one of the command centers or whatever, um, where they have sent a scout who has come back to report that it's a bloodbath in there. <laughs> nice, <laughs> and, and, right? And it's like, all right, Westworld, I'm with you. And and so we move inside. It's like Bernard and uh, uh let me. I'll try to get the name of the character that's kind of our main security dude um carl strand yes yeah, and right. and so strand and bernard the bernard that we saw in the first episode amongst all the tents and stuff what 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 got found by the water's edge um mm-hmm. so they show up at this facility where they find some burned corpses make a note of that um <laughs> Because <laughs> awesomeness is afoot. Oh yes, yeah. Like there, 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 there are a couple of moments in this episode in particular which not only got like massive smile on my face, but moments where I was like, "Oh shit's getting good." Yeah, there's there's one shot in particular that's like, you know, if that's the best this season gets, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, you've you, you've you've done well. Pat yeah. yourself in the back. <laughs> and and so they they roll up into into this joint. Uh, they find these burned bodies, and sure enough, they also find Charlotte Hale. Yeah, who we know has been with uh, Bernard. She uh, was with Bernard like the, two weeks ago or something. Well, and at some in the point, previous they have been separated. Yeah, the previous episode was when we got uh, the Peter Abernathy 
like, oh, he's around. He's he's yeah. he's the guy that we need to get. He's the package. And so they show up and Charlotte's like, hey, uh, what's going on? And they're like, hey, we're securing the park sector by sector. We're kind of working our way through it. Um, and she's like, did you find what I told you to find? And he's like, no, we haven't. Uh, presumably what he's talking about is Abernathy. Yeah. And then she uh, sees Bernard, and she's like, hey, Bernard, you're still alive. I didn't think you had it in you. Uh, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, and then uh, she's like, hey, do you have any idea where we can find Peter Abernathy? And Bernard looks real. Um, <laughs> and, and starts having a flashback. Which takes us back to him out in the desert, uh, and it's him and Charlotte on the hunt for Abernathy. Yeah. And they, thanks to Arnold's super-duper iPad that's tracking uh, Abernathy, they find him amongst uh, some of the Confederados. Um, or well, they're, yeah. they're bandits who are going to sell these folks to the Confederados. It's our me, it's our milk drinking bandit friend who right. we know will will be dead by the time the the beach team arrives. Um, in the present time, once again, timelines jumping all over the place. We know he's going to be, he will be dead by then. But the last time we saw him, he was, um, <laughs> he, he was uh, shooting a woman who was standing at the side of a barn. <laughs> like, Just so, having a good time. You yeah. Know, it was it, a party. <laughs> it's nothing but a good time. She's like fucking popping caps in her ass um which is a completely different time zone um but yeah <laughs> there we go uh so yeah so that was last time i saw him he has now decided to to switch things up uh and they've got hostages which they're going to send to the uh, they're going to sell to the confederados and become rich uh speaking of music I did you pick up what was uh, what was being played in the opening song? Yeah, it's a, it's Seven Nation Army, isn't it? The sitar was, version of Seven Nation Army. I was fucking bitching. It really was. It took me a second. Then when I heard that, I was like, "Is this fucking sitar white stripes?" <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, Colonial <laughs> World seems like a terrible racist place, but the music's pretty good there. <laughs> It is the switch up from that ye old timey piano. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. Though. It was a really nice musical touch, and and like you said, you know, we've heard all these piano renditions of like Bowie songs and stuff like that, yeah. and and hearing the sitar version of of something while we're in Colonial World, uh, I, I thought was again just very thematically consistent, and that is shocking for a show like this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I heard beauty, I heard Duncan that last season of the X-Files didn't have none of that. Yeah. And so when you see it, 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 it yeah. does warm the cockles of the heart. Yeah. <laughs> you like you do kind of feel like they need to rub your eyes and then look at the screen again and go, Is this 
Is this the fabled continuity? <laughs> yeah. It, does someone care about this? <laughs> the people who make this care about it? Holy shit. Was this developed in a a, a writer's room? <laughs> right. Um <laughs> But yeah, so the the wet bandit is um like <laughs> the wet bandit. <laughs> Sticky bandits, boy. Sticky bandits. Sticky bandit, sure. It's season two. Um, <laughs> nice. So, um, he's like, yeah, we're gonna sell uh, all these, conf- uh, all these hostages to the Confederados for fifteen dollars a head. Peter Abernathy, aka the package that they're trying to get out of Westworld, is among those hostages. Then, uh, the Charlotte Hale. Uh, screams for help in the distance and the sticky bandit um, shows up and Caesar is like, Oh, I'm going to get way more than $15 for you. And then Bernard uh, high keeps him from behind mm-hmm. and knocks him out. And then like jacks into him with his, his iPod, uh, the <laughs> iTunes version of the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Only available from Dunvoco. Um yep. not uh <laughs> not configurable in any way and don't nope. expect it to work. Um No, nope, won't work. Won't work. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's basically just the etch a sketch screen. Um <laughs> but without any of the knobs or anything, you can't do nothing with yeah, it. Without the ability to erase what you've drawn on it, so you have to draw over the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's better if you just get a a notebook or something really iPod. <laughs> like your, your tablet is actually just a notepad. <laughs> it's <laughs> an actual tablet. Pen. Yeah. Um. So, uh, <laughs> Bernard hacks into the Sticky Bandit's uh, head mm-hmm. and makes him this super compassionate, you know, crusader of justice. Yeah, but like like an absolute badass with a gun though. He he ups his, you know, like he's a he's he's gunslinging skills to the max, but also makes him this like knight in shining armor sort of personality and then sends him on his merry way and you know, it comes out this is a brilliant fucking scene. You know, there's one thing I can't abide is you treating a young lady this way, you know, his crew and his crew are like what? And then like quick draw McGraw, a uh, very or, or sure McGavin if you're if you're of the happy nice. Yeah, I know, I know. He's like the gun comes out super quick, <laughs> takes them all down just in time for the Confederados to show up. Yeah, he's like I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, you know, shooter McGavin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he just. It, he, yeah, I mean, it's it's a real like a put. I'm gonna put on a murder clinic uh, <laughs> with his gun, <laughs> and just, I, I, <laughs> it kills him all, and then like lets all the hostages go, and is like, "Hey, be careful, everybody! Yeah, like, make sure you have your coats. Making pack lunches in the background for them. <laughs> right. like, but you, you have a good day now. You, you take this now. Here's my here's a sweater because it might get cold. Before uh, fleeing into the brush, be sure to check the area around you. Make sure yeah. that you and your neighbors haven't left anything behind. Yeah, if if you find yourself on fire for whatever reason, I know you're thinking that sounds insane, but wait till later on. Stop, drop, and roll. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Stop, drop, roll. Yeah, 
and and as he's releasing uh his 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 flock into the wild mm-hmm. uh the confederados actually do show up and they're like hey what the fuck are you doing man uh, we showed up here uh on the premise that there were hostages to be bought and uh you're letting them all go and he's like yeah that deal wasn't no good and then just starts shooting up the joint with the confederados and murdering them, shooting them off the backs of their horses. Yeah, he takes them all down, <laughs> like, super quick. Well, except for one dude who's shooting at him, but the sticky bandit then, it, like, sees a woman running off, and he's like, hey, I'll help you, and she's like, get away from me, <laughs> like, you're a maniac. <laughs> Gun-wielding, maniacal robot chasing after you. Yeah, and he's... uh, Let me love you! (laughs) Why won't you let me love you? (laughs) As he's chasing this poor woman off into the the woods, into the brush, um, Peter Abernathy breaks free of uh, Bernard and Charlotte and is making this big stand about, like, he was... uh, singing glory glory hallelujah while the confederados are trying to uh reclaim the hostages that have run off and they get bernard in the bargain charlotte runs off and bernard is just like there and just stands there until they're like you're coming with us too yeah and and you know here's one of my minor quibbles with the the season thus far Ooh, lay it out, Bo, lay it out. Is, I feel like the stuff that's going on with Bernard is is kind of interesting plot-wise, but mm-hmm. I used to love any time Bernard was on screen because there was probably going to be some pretty cool conversations going down. Yeah. And I don't feel like that's been the case this season. It's mostly been like, what is Bernard's motivation? What what does he know? Mm-hmm. What does he understand? What, who is he aligned with? But it's not about his character necessarily yeah because i think my, my my feelings right i think this season is subverting a lot of what the first season did so like i like i've said before I, i've kind of advanced hypothesized that dolores is going to become the villain that the man in black is going to become like some redeemed hero but i think a lot of what we had in terms of the surprise reveals of certain hosts from the first season i.e dolores and um mave i think that sort of storyline is all going to be carried through what's happening with bernard so um he is like there's there's a reason that he has this blank memory which we are jumping back to go through and that's going to fill the story up to a certain point that some twist is going to happen some plot device which is going to lead to him being on the beach the only problem with that being set up the way that it is means that unfortunately from a character development point of view we are going to you are sacrificing a lot of what made that character hugely interesting from season one um you know what I mean? You, you're you're almost sacrificing that because we now are no longer in a position. Well, well he knows he knows what he is. Um, certainly, just now, I don't know if he knows what he is. And kind of from from the, the the scene of the beach onwards, you would have to think he does, but we don't know if he does. 
So at this stage, he's a host, a host that tried to kill himself that's been brought back, who is malfunctioning. Um, and as a result of that, we're not getting any of the, we're not getting a lot of the questions. Like the the, the first shot of this season was him and Dolores talking, um, whether or not that's you know in the future past or whatever. Um, and we had that we had this great conversation about dreams and all the rest. And those are the Bernard moments I really enjoy from season one. I just don't think we're going to get that this season at all. I think, you know, he's used for whatever his twist is going to be, I think is going to be the big twist of this season. I don't think it's going to be the glory special place that people are all heading to. Um, I, you know, because that to me is ostensibly a replacement for the, you know, the, the maze, so to speak, is his journey towards something. I think the the big twist is going to be through Bernard's character. And I, I very much like yourself, kind of feel like we could be getting a bit more from from him as a character. Because he, he is, he, we've got tons of characters going around shooting and like Levy and Chaos and all the rest. We, we kind of need the balance and the balance should be a character like like Bernard, um, we're not quite getting it yet. That's not to say it won't go that way, but at the moment, I'm I'm kind of weighable, kind of weigh. Um, well, I appreciate your support. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I know you were waiting on bated breath for me to say yes, but you're right. I uh, I don't need it, but I like it. Um, <laughs> and so we we cut up from uh from Bernard, um. <laughs> To uh, Dolores and and Teddy woke Teddy <laughs> woke Teddy hashtag woke Teddy hashtag woke Teddy along for the ride as well as like uh, you know Clementine and Angela and basically Dolores's posse yeah. and as well as the guys uh, that she recruited last episode by killing them and then bringing them back yeah and she is reaching uh, this place called Fort Forlorn, Forlorn Hope. The, this is the big Confederado fort. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is greeted by soldiers lining the road, welcoming, welcoming her with like a 21-gun salute. Mm-hmm. And then outrides uh, sort of the, the major of, of this fort. Um, yeah, major to, asshole. Major asshole. <laughs> Uh, general nuisance. <laughs> Keep firing, assholes. <laughs> um, yeah, so he shows up to, uh, Major Craddock. That, no, 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 no. That's, uh, Jonathan Tucker. Colonel, Colonel Brigham. That's who we're dealing yeah. with. Um, so Brigham rolls out and, uh, Dolores kind of gives him the, you know, there's a fight coming, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> You need me and I need you. And and he's like, why should I believe? I mean, why should, you, you have no credibility whatsoever other than this dude is vouching for you. And Dolores is like, oh, really, Dr. Lecter? Perhaps Angela has something to say about that. And uh, actually, it's Clementine. But she yeah. drags one, like this security dude. The uh, dude whose face was, you know, cemented into that, um, that kind of liquid white... latex or whatever. Yeah, stuff. before, uh, which right. was burning his face. I'll never dude... talk. 
Six hundred men. Six hundred men. I'm not. I'm not even put your face in yet. Right. Eight hundred men. Eight hundred <laughs> right. men. I've got a hangnail. Uh, <laughs> I peed the bed when I was seven. <laughs> I, I blamed on the dog. Yeah, we didn't even ask you that. <laughs> B. Arthur has always been the most attractive woman to me. It's just weird. Um, but yeah, so they 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 drag him out into the middle of uh the the road to the fort and Clementine uh, then is instructed to give this guard's gun to the major or the yeah, colonel. The, the, the fancy, those fancy kind of sawn off automatic red plastic looking guns that are from the present time. She gives it to him and then we basically get that scene where she leans over to the guy and says, ah, you know, I'll, I'll make a deal for make a deal with you if you can get over that ridge and live then you know you're free yeah um and the guy doesn't make it that far he makes about seven steps right uh, and the colonel uh fires the gun and sees immediately like holy shit this is way better than anything we've got clearly and dolores is like you can keep all the guns dr lecter yeah, but we're gonna need them to face the soldiers that are coming for us now you can open that fort or what and and sure enough, he's like, yeah, come on in. This is going to be fucking rocking. And as they roll in, um, she and Woke Teddy are kind of over, looking over all the, the soldiers around him. And Woke Teddy is like, these guys are animals. Mm-hmm. Like, do, do we really want to be rubbing elbows with these types? And she says, um, they're not animals, Teddy their children and that is a big deal to come yes oh yes <laughs> and uh poor teddy honestly uh, i feel so sorry for him i feel so he's it's, it's so well it, uh, james masters plays it so well this season because i just constantly every time he's on the screen i just he, he kind of has like the the, the kind of host version of sad puppy eyes <laughs> like, like all the way through, I just kind of feel like, oh, not Teddy. Just someone give him a ranch. Give him a fucking ranch. Well, yeah, I mean, he's just kind of thrown into this mess. All he knows, like all all his programming suggests, is like you know he loves Dolores and wants to protect yeah. her. And even though he is woke, Teddy, his underlying motivation is that. Yeah. But he's also having to deal with the fact that Dolores is starting to do some heinous shit. Much (laughs) suggested by my and mine alone theory that Dolores is slowly becoming the villain this season. Oh, yeah. My my theory, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not how I remember it, but whatever. And... Yeah, he he is kind of becoming this tragic character of like he he wants to do the right thing, but he also loves Dolores, and and more and more those two things are are parting ways. Yeah, you know? like what Dolores does and what he thinks of as the right thing to do are uh, are 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 far apart these days. Duncan, Dolores mm-hmm. is uh, is getting not just woke. Dolores might be getting real woke. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's the Illuminati. 
Oh, they're yeah. all lizard people, Bo. They're all lizard people. Um, yeah, she's like she. We'll talk about a particular scene where he maybe slightly rebels later on from what she's asked to do. Yeah. And the look on her face is starting to realise that maybe there's a reason at the end of episode one of this season we saw Teddy floating face down in a lake. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, it might be Dolores who delivers that bullet. Um, yeah. So before we get to woke Teddy becoming dead Teddy... Hashtag dead daddy. <laughs> we, we cut over to uh, Maeve and um, Hector and Lee, who is dressed yeah. like he's about to pop up from behind the corn on the set of Hee Haw. <laughs> Start doing one of those, like, kind of those dances where they, you know, they, they kick the legs out, like, really, you know, kind of. The prospector dances, you know, right? Astra gold, yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah. Start, that's that's exactly what he looks like. He's not full of the enthusiasm that a prospector would have upon finding gold, though. He seems a bit downtrodden, mostly because he doesn't want to be in the park. Uh, he doesn't really want to be involved with any of these people, and he has weaseled himself in a position where he's all useful for the time being. And I think he thinks that when he's no longer of use, there's a very good chance he will no longer be here. <laughs> Right, and he yeah, he has no leverage at all in this situation other than whatever it is that they want from him, which in this case is the location of Maeve's daughter, and yeah. basically playing guide through the park. But as he's guiding them through the park, they are beset by uh, some Lakota uh, warriors, mm -hmm. and Maeve has a flashback where she recognizes the the one that she sees kind of in this stream um, as one of the ones that like terrorized her and her daughter. Yeah. But because Maeve is playing some 3d fucking chess. Oh yeah. She's not like, I need vengeance. She's like, you know what? Let's just be on our way. We're not like, again, she's not playing the game. She's, she's playing the game behind the game. Um, yeah, where... and Lee, the, the, the you know, like Lee's character, you know, is the first thing he says, like, because obviously he's wrote the storylines, he's done a lot of the stuff here. As soon as he sees these people, he's like, we, we need to, that this is bad, we need to get out of here. Meanwhile, Hector, like, speaks, you know, in their tongue, uh, and he's like, that, you know, it's fine, they'll let us go, but the only thing they want is me to leave Lee here. Uh, with them, but we can go on our way and all the rest. And Maeve's like that. Well, no, nah, I kind of need him. He needs to come with us. Um, and it turns out the 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 tribes people are not happy with that. Bo turns out that's not what they want. Yeah, they uh, decide. Hey, how about we just kill all of you then and take whatever we want and start <laughs> to pursue them and. Uh, Lee uh, leads them to an outpost where they, you know, basically climb into the elevator that what sinks into the ground, yeah. uh, all sci-fi like. And so they, they're descending as the Lakota uh, dudes are showing up and Hector's, you know, firing off at them. And the main warrior, the one that we saw first is kind of like, 
it's almost like the look of the Velociraptor when they figure out they can open doors. <laughs> yeah. Of just like, huh? <laughs> you know, maybe there's something going on I need to know about. And uh, so they, you know, get enough uh, away from from those dudes that um, they've got some relative safety. And then we'll get back to them in a second because awesome shit's about to happen. Oh, so much awesome shit. All right. So we, we go back to Dolores uh, and and Woke Teddy at the uh, Fort Lonely Hearts or whatever. Lovelorn. Um, lonesome. <laughs> lonesome Dove. Fort Lonesome Dove. And yeah. <laughs> it's all of those names. And... Uh, they, they're bringing in the Confederados are bringing in their, their hostages. Um, amongst the number of the, uh, the hostages are Bernard, um, who is still just nothing going on there, but it's also Dolores's dad. Yeah. And, and she's like, Hey, get, get, you know, untie him right now. And one of, I, I like the moment where, um, the, one of the confederados is like, I'm not, I don't have to do what you say. <laughs> and, and woke Teddy is like, I'll tell you what, if you want to breathe, you're about to do what she says. And he's like, all right, all right, geez. Um, cause he immediately is just like, fine. I was just giving me a little shit is all. Yeah. Yeah. hundred men. I peed the bed when I was seven. <laughs> right. Boy, yeah, there are some lily-livered, yellow, <laughs> yellow-bellied cowards on this show, Duncan. And um, it turns out that Peter Abernathy is all cray-cray. Yeah, and, and the time it's taken him to sing uh, Glory Hallelujah to arrive there, he is um, he, he's no longer with us. The, the body's there, but the mind is uh, is off and wandering. Uh, and where it's wandering is, is places that that just don't make sense. We get like yeah, a it, bit of explanation coming up, but yeah. He, by the way, the, he, the actor who is playing this part is on point in this episode. He plays deranged, corrupted, and broken android robot thing perfectly. <laughs> it, there's a real like does not compute yeah. kind of element to this performance, but it, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, like you're right. He's really good in this. And, and when she, Dolores is finally talking to him and he's all, you know, got the, got the computer shakes. Um, at one point he kind of pops out of it mm -hmm. and it's just like Dolores. And she, she has this conversation with her father about, you remember how like it, it's going back to season one shit, Duncan of like, you know, waking up in the morning, you'd be there on the porch, and, and you know it's sort of the story that we know yeah. of Dolores. And he, for that moment, he's like, "Yeah, let's forget about all this. Let's just go home. Let's go back to the ranch." And for a second, he's he's kind of himself. Yeah, she also makes she. I I kind of feel as her character, she's trying to on some level show how far she's come as well with them. Just you know, to, to kind of, she she basically sort of remember that time you you didn't say that to me in the morning and you you, you know 
read poetry or whatever it was, or read a story to me, uh, which we know is the thing that triggers all this off. And she went, well, I took that and I left. And, you know, I've started a war now and all the rest. And he's back. At that point, he's like, that, you know, does not compute. You know, pretty much he's like, yeah, like back in the ranch. Let's go back to the ranch. And it's her realisation on some level that, that, you know, that her dad does not walk like her, if you know what I mean. Um and we get that a, we get that a couple broke. Of, yeah we, we but we get that a couple of times in this episode as well which is the reminder that not even that he's, he's broke but certain certain uh, hosts appear to be evolved or appear to be like showing sentience in a way which uh, maybe makes them real but they're not in certain respects uh, i'm thinking specifically a scene about to come up with with Hector and Lee, where you are very quickly reminded that you know you may be doing something that you you may be doing something which shows free will and free mind, but the words you're saying are you know belie the actual truth of your programming to an extent, right? And it does you see that in our face when he, he he's he's broken, but it, I imagine that even if it was fixed, his ability to understand or or comprehend what Dolores is doing is not going to be there. Well, but it also there is that element of like, what if I came to you yep. and was like, hey, the world around us is a construct and only I know the truth of that. Um, but let me prove it to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, but yeah. So, you know, when she talks about all of the hosts are, uh, in, at this fort as children, it's just like, yeah, they, they just don't know no better. Like they're just following whatever their, their innate programming is. Yeah. And, and as we said, I think it was in the last episode of like, this is what it looks like when the stories play out. Yes. That they, they have motivations and sort of this weird foreknowledge of things to a point. But after that point, it, there's nothing, there's no safety net. There's no programming other than, oh, well, I guess this character has these motivations. And for poor, Peter Abernathy, like he's just got all these fractured personalities that he's played over time, yeah. all competing in in his you know computer head. Yeah, I would also say that if, if Dolores referring to them all as children and always being a teacher on some level, um, she she doesn't know how to handle children very well, <laughs> as we will see at no. the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, Yikes. yeah. Oh, that is true. <laughs> so. Are you ready to just fucking cue up the the amps? Yeah, <laughs> get the guitars out <laughs> and windmill that arm. Because <laughs> we we go back to our our outpost with Lee and and Maeve and Hector. Yeah, and, and Lee is a bit annoyed. He's a bit annoyed because. Hector and, and Maeve are holding hands and being all kind of lovey-dovey. And guess what? That's not how he wrote those characters. And, you know, he's been quiet up to this point, but God damn it, he's going to say something about it now. And he questions them, right? He's like, what, what is actually going on here between you two? You know, you, Hector, you are not designed to... F- to be in love with her, you're you're designed to be in love with one person, one person alone, and that's the person that you can't get. And you know, it doesn't make sense. And Hector like takes offence to this really fucking quickly and reminds the show why you don't fuck around with a host that is off the grid when it comes to protecting human programming. 
uh, as he pins them to the wall. And we may say, like, remember, they're, they're a bit more fragile than we are. <laughs> right, right. You know, just like you loosen the grip. Um, and he's like, you know, I, you know I, I love her and I'll do whatever I want. And he, he goes across and then starts, starts speaking, uh, professing his love to to Maeve and then Lee very quickly finishes his sentence and um, you know, Hector kind of looks around and, and it's, I, I think it's, once again it's this, this really nice reminder that we're getting throughout whether it was in the previous episode with you know um, the the comments that Dolores made about have you, have you ever seen such splendour whatever the, the phrase was Um we get these these things that yeah ultimately they may be showing free will on some level or they may be showing like the, the beginning of of true um ai t- true kind of sensuousness and, and stuff but the ultimately they're still some of these hosts are still you know programmed they're still the their dialogue is uh bound by the scripts that have been written the program the stories that lee has written um, and Hector kind of storms off a little bit and then we get this really kind of nice little kind of well it's prying to you Lee because Maeve goes like that you know so is Hector basically you is that where this character comes from did a woman break your heart is that what happened did you, break yeah. did you write this story about it and is Hector then everything that you feel you should be you know this kind of your strong male character kind of badass while well, you're not um and all the rest and, and, and lee you can see this kid is kind of getting to him he's like no that's not where it, it's just a story um and she's starting to pick at that uh but then flames bow flames flames and gun, gunfire first burning and flames <laughs> flames flames inside of my head breathing and <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, hey, there's this dude trucking down the hallway on fire. (laughs) Right, awesome enough. Yeah. And then you're like, and then you realize it's one of the security guys. Yep. And the reason he is on fire, Duncan, is that Armistice, (laughs) who we last saw last season... Firing an automatic weapon yeah. uh, at the guards. Um, yeah, after losing her hand. After basically after like, lo- gnawing her hand off so she can fucking get a gun to slaughter everyone. It was pretty rocking <laughs> and put her in the annals of Westworld, you know, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think it might have in been terms my, of characters. Yeah, my scene of the, the year last year or a year and a bit ago, whenever Westworld was on, uh, that was that that year because I thought it was one of the. I think both of us just talked about how fucking bitching this was, and we'd mentioned where we're going to get a chance to see it again. And Westworld delivered, but it delivered in the most badass way ever. It delivers with her walking down with a fucking flamethrower. So yeah, still lighting <laughs> the guy up, like the, who is on fire already. Yeah, it's like the last time we saw. Her, she was like wiping at guards. We've jumped, I imagine, like two days in the future, and she's still just fucking killing guards. Like, that killing spree didn't end when the credits rolled, bow. It just kept going. And all she's done is trading weapons for more destructive weapons to the point that we're now a fucking flamethrower. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened. 
And then, uh, like, as soon as they realize it's her, and they're like, fucking hey, Armistice. And she she says, no time to say hello. We've got to go. (laughs) And you're just like, god damn, Armistice. How are you the perfect woman? Yes. Why Um, are you the perfect woman? Why? My my cock can only get so hard. Um, And, uh, yeah, I really wish I hadn't watched this with my wife. Um, Sure. Right. You kind of want to be alone when you watch, watch this scene. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, one thing that we, we skipped over in our rush to, uh, to get to Armistice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, let's, let's finish this scene up here. Cause we get, uh, Armistice leads them to Felix and Sylvester. Remember Felix and Sylvester? Ba- <laughs> right. Who we spent a little too much time with in season one. <laughs> Just a bit. And, uh, so she's got armistice has kept them ted- tied up. Yeah, I can't remember which one's which, but one of them, the one that is the bit, yeah, a bit snippy and a bit more of the coward, can't fucking move because his 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 chin and his uh, his chest are pinned together. They have to be pinned together because she's left a fucking grenade, a grenade with a pin pulled under there that if he moves, he's going up. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. It's pretty good. For the record, that is Sylvester mm. and Armistice clearly enjoying herself. Finally, does remove said grenade and 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 replaces the pin. Uh, and it's like, hey, you you knuckleheads are coming with us now. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is uh, Maeve and uh, Felix and Sylvester and Hector and Lee and Armistice. Mm-hmm. Just she like takes off her glove to remove the uh, grenade with her robot hand. Yeah, j- just to kind of fuck with him. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason to do that, really. But you know, Armistice likes a uh, good time, mm-hmm. and I'm with her. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so they they decide they're they're heading back up into the park. And so here's what we skipped over in our rush to get to Armistice, walking down a hallway with a flamethrower, setting a guard on fire. <laughs> I hope you understand why we wanted to get to that. Um, <laughs> listeners. Uh, so Dolores goes to, because her, her dad's got all the robot crazies. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is the official, uh, uh, diagnosis when you're when you're talking about robots, what have multiple personalities? Yeah, he's got the, like uh, Peter Abernathy. It's kind of it's kind of like the robot blues, but yeah, with more personalities. Yes, it, they call it Sybil syndrome <laughs> in the robot community. <laughs> and and uh, so Dolores goes to Bernard and is like, "Hey, I need you to take a look at at my dad here." And they, you know, there's an opportunity here for a really good conversation. I don't think this conversation is all that fun. Yeah. It's really just her saying like, yes, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm woke Dolores now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the best line of it is when she's like, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I feel more like myself now. And, uh, when I ask myself if I should do something, you know, the answer that I always find is 
I'm a Dr. Lecter. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, I get this, but it's also sort of like, I felt like it was a repetition of information we already had about Dolores. And she's kind of like, what is your problem anyway? Yeah. What is going on with you? And he's just like, I'm out of it. Yeah, and he doesn't really say all that much. She's just like, look, I need you to help my father come with me. Do you think, I, I don't know what it is about the Dolores character as well as, I think on some level she, she obviously is supremely confident in what she's doing, but there is this kind of, she's almost gloating to characters that I think she expects them to be like, oh, wow, you know, that's, that's amazing, you know, and all the rest, and they don't give her that, and that it, it pisses her off. You know what I mean? They're like she's speaking to to uh, Bernard in a way where she's like that. You know, and I can do this now. And I can do that. And because he doesn't, well, obviously he's broke. <laughs> but because he doesn't react a certain way, it kind of frustrates her. Um, and it's the same with you know she obviously had the conversation with her, her dad, and that's not happening. And the scenes kind of happening with Teddy as well. It's, it's this idea like you just no one understands the phenomenal transformation that she's going through, the, you know this journey that she's going through. No one can understand it. All she kind of desperately wants is to tell people about it so they'll understand how important it is to her. And no one seems to be grasping how important it is to her. And there's a level of frustration that sets in as a smugness about her as a character. I think it's all leading up to this fact that you know she is. Is one of the reasons like there's a marked shift in her likability as a character this season. It's not just through actions, but it's the way she converses with people, which talks down to people now. Um, she's super woke. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like she's got uh, you know Bernard duct tape to a chair yeah. as she shows a slide projector set of images. <laughs> To him, and it's just like, do you see? Do you see? Yeah, it's, it's totally, it's totally like that, and and it's how how the how the shoe has changed foot here because these conversations before would be would be Bernard leading off the back of her inability to comprehend what is happening, and now we've flipped that completely as one aid. It's now Dolores is fully aware of what's happening, or fully aware of what she thinks is happening what she thinks her purpose is and what the truth actually is compared to Bernard who doesn't like, she even goes as far as saying, you know, have you ever actually even been off the park? You know, have you been out in the real world? I know you're saying that the real world isn't what, what we think it is, but actually I've been out there. You haven't, you know, you've, you've been confined here. So how do you know what you think the real world actually is? There's only one of us here that's seen it. Um, yeah, and and it's kind of him trying to temper her rage or something. Yeah, it's, it's a ham-fisted um, conversation. It's not elegant. It's not elegantly written in some of the ways that some of these things have been handled already in this season. It's like you say, there's a there's a a bit of a stunted dialogue scene which could have been handled a bit more with finesse. I I think it's just trying to tie up things to the, 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 on some level this is the danger of dealing with so many different timelines in a TV show is to remind certain characters of when they're speaking what they have seen and what they haven't seen and put that in context you know they've never had this conversation before although we have seen Dolores in the real world and we've seen her converse with other people about it this conversation has never come up between these two um, 
Yeah, and Bernard's just such a blank slate at the moment. Yeah, through, through this this episode, that even when she finally gets him to her father, and he's like, "Well, here's what's going on." He's got you know basically somebody chunked this giant file into his head, slapped a thin personality on the top of it, and now that he's operating without any kind of instructional parameters. Like all of that is breaking down yeah. and, and what we need to do is to sort of decrypt this big file, which Bernard does manage to do. And, but it, you know, it's just sort of like an, Oh my God. Yeah. And, uh, and I cut away. So, um, we don't really know what that thing is, you know? I mean, I guess we have our suspicions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, or when it comes to like, you know, is it all this user data? Is it IPs of, of all the hosts or is it all the host personality? Like uh, something in this file is obviously very important. It was the thing that they were trying to get out of the park in the first place in the first season. And, um, any, anything else about the, like, am I missing any details of, of this Dolores no. slash Bernard? No, I think, it, yeah, I think it's, it, yeah. It just feels a little bit of a downer considering what we've just seen. Yes. Yeah. And and you're like, man, why did you have that scene when you could just go to... So, all right, let, let's get to Charlotte real quick. Charlotte shows up at one of uh, the you know outposts where there are plenty of security. This appears to be chronologically after Bernard has been taken by the confederados and she has fled to this location where she finds a bunch of guards and they're saying uh, like she confirms that she's a human (laughs) initially and then they're like hey we're we've got to get you out of the park and she says fuck that is are any of you going to fort forlorn hope and uh they're like yeah we're, we're going there now and she's like, okay, who? I, uh, what about those dudes in that Jeep? How are they? Are they cool? And the guy's like, yeah, they're kind of my best men. She's like, okay, I'm going with them then. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're closing in on a big confrontation at said Fort Forlorn Hope. Yeah. And so Dolores initially pitches this idea of like, hey, I can, I have a plan and we can kill everyone. And it'll it'll be great, trust me. And the so yeah, it's a real uh, Donald Trump moment, right? Well, she doesn't. She's like, it'll be a little sneakier. Like we can't face them head on. Yeah. And the colonel is like, "Fuck that! Yes, we can, and that's what we're gonna do." Which it turns out is part of their plan. Yeah. So, um, but but she's like, okay, so what you're gonna do? is you're going to go outside, you're going to retreat inside when they show up. When they start to follow you in, we're going to blow these charges, kill a bunch of them, and then anyone who's left, we're just going to murder from around the perimeter. And he's like, my men don't retreat. (laughs) And she's like, all right, fuck it. Let's see how this goes then. I have a feeling not well for you and your men. Um And, uh, so they're, they're like lining up, getting ready for the, this big epic battle. And sure enough, you know, kind of over the ridge comes our, our 
you know, security team on doom buggies and whatnot, kind of uh, road warrioring it out, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. All, all that was missing was the great humongous. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come out. <laughs> we just want your gasoline. <laughs> um, Give us your Abernathy. Um. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, Charlotte and her crack team, while the uh, the frontal assault is going on, kind of bust in through the rear. Yeah, and the the guards. Uh, not, Charlotte doesn't see Bernard there, but the guards take uh, Abernathy. This is post like Bernard has either downloaded or at least decrypted this file. So that he at least knows what's up. Yeah. And and I'm sure we'll get that information in the next episode. But what ends up happening is he is left behind all shaky and... <laughs> while, while Abernathy is taken back to uh, the, the dune buggy where Charlotte is. Mm-hmm. Dolores sees this, rolls out... You know, kills a bunch of the guards, but one of the guards, Charlotte and Abernathy, still get away. Yeah. So while all that's going on, Duncan, Mm -hmm. Clementine is rolling up a bunch of flags, which are signaling the kind of, uh, you know, black mask elite squad that Dolores, like the Dolores loyalists, kind of. Yeah. And... Um, so they're jumping into action now and their move is to bar the door behind these soldiers that belong to the Ford, like the, all the colonel's men. Yeah. Cause they're not going to retreat. Bull, so no, of course not. So Dolores is like, good. You guys get inside, bar the door, the security guards and the colonel's men are going to duke it out for a minute. Mm-hmm. Because they're now trapped outside. And then when, you know, to follow through with the plan, once the the uh, security forces, the Delos forces, get close enough on their dune buggies or, or whatnot, they blow a bunch of charges. Which is exactly what goes down. Yeah. It's a pretty good battle sequence. All, all things being equal, like it ain't no Game of Thrones. Let's not get crazy. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be at the moment, and we have the promise of you know a thousand bodies in a lake to get to. So, you know that's that's where we're heading. So if this is just the, the appetizer to that, then yeah, I can kind of live with that. Yeah, and it's also showing like Dolores doing some really heinous shit. Yeah, this in is, the name of like, hey, this is for the greater good. Yeah, the, by the greater good. These. The greater good. Um, this is a, but the, you know, this is, and I think an interesting conversation that when we talk about you know the the idea of free will versus programming and. Um, in Westworld in general, is that we have to remember that, you know, Dolores is also Wyatt. You know what I mean? And right, yeah, she is the she is programmed to lead this revolution. Yeah, yes. she's she's programmed to do it, you know, ruthlessly. As in, will slaughter people. Will you know? 
uh, you know, people are expendable and all the rest. So, as much as Dolores is, you know, is, is showing this cognitive sort of free will, etc., and all the rest, uh, this is the white part of her program and really kind of kicking it in full effect. Um, you know, with and I love the the fact that you know you, we can juxtapose that in this episode with the the kind of the you know the the, the farmer's girl that we saw earlier on, which is also part of her programming. So the fact that she slipped back into that, you know, knowingly and fully aware of what she was doing to give comfort to her father, um, I think is clever, but it goes to show that even even within herself, it's, it's constructs of her own programming that she's tapping into for certain things. Um, so the, the, the cruelty that comes out here, or the, the ruthlessness, is very much the white side of Dolores that is, is springing out. There's a reason that, you know, when she met the 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 colonel uh beginning of this episode you know she introduced herself as wyatt and not dolores um you know what i mean you can call me wyatt um right right you know what i mean because that, that's speaking to who we're getting just now um which i think is like, super interesting and yeah like the the levels of our kind of ruthlessness are, are really just they're just getting started, you know what I mean? Like, she right now is making the man in black kind of look like a Boy Scout, uh, you know what I mean? Um, who's not in this episode at all, actually. We've got no man in black in this episode, yeah. which um, I get a feeling we're going to get a whole hell of a lot of man in black in the next episode. But You would think it's going to be a real, like, Lawrence and William kind of show, which I am totally fine yeah, with. Yeah, I get the feeling that, that we're probably going to do, you like, we're going to follow, you know, Dolores of predominantly in one episode and Man in Black in another episode as they make their journey towards the, you know, you know glory or the... the, the Hidden item or the special place or whatever it is, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna do that alternate between them to give them sizable on screen time, which I'm cool with as well. And I would imagine the Mav story is just gonna linger in between as well as the Bernard story, um, as these these kind of you know these story almost gap fillers so that we can you know cushion the the transition between the two, uh, which like I say, totally happy with it all. But um, this thing goes off. And uh, you know it, it wipes out all these these humans, uh, but Dolores isn't finished there. <laughs> now she sends the goon squad outside with uh, bayonets to finish off any of the survivors, either the colonel's men or otherwise. Yep, and which is pretty raw. And then the uh, the um, major dude, the one that she killed and brought back in the last episode, who is like you know. The blood of that of my men is on your hands, ma'am. And <laughs> I say, I say, <laughs> I say. And she's like, "Not all of us were meant to make it, Doctor Rector." <laughs> Woke Teddy, come here. I want you to take this gun. I want you to put a bullet in his head. Okay, Woke Teddy. And Woke Teddy is like, "Yeah, all right." And walks him over um, to execute him. And you know, the major does his level best to talk his way out of it yeah. and but he's also like look i can see that both of us are are the same we're both just the gunmen for tyrants and teddy is like i'm nothing like you i'm woke and <laughs> then instead of shooting him i watch info wars three times a day right i i you know i i follow all the parkland survivors on twitter yeah um and <laughs> 
<laughs> too soon. Um, and so he fires beside the major's head, not shooting him, and is like, hey, you and your men get the fuck out of here and don't come back. Because, like, it, you know, some other dudes were lined up raid to, uh, to, to shoot what remained yeah. of the colonel's men. And um, Dolores does see that woke Teddy is too woke to murder someone yeah. in cold blood. Hashtag like, too Purr. woke. Hashtag too woke Teddy. <laughs> too woke Teddy. As woke as they want to be. And <laughs> Two Woke Teddy sounds like a sort of rave dance that you would have done in like 1994. Oh man. Uh, two Woke I Teddy. Love. Two Woke Teddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah hey, are, we, are you guys going to go see Two Woke Teddy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a garage under a basement. It's weird. <laughs> but he's playing there. It's going to be real woke. Um, <laughs> true to his name. <laughs> yeah, she's so, she is not happy. Yeah, it's, it, there's almost an air of disappointment. I yeah. feel too of just like, oh, woke Teddy. Yeah, Teddy's um, once again, uh, you know, the the sum of his programming. Teddy, right there, guy, there is that's what he's programmed to be. Yeah, there's a morality that he has that Dolores does not possess. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we leave things there for now because we end the episode, Duncan. Yes. With uh, our pal Grace. You remember her when she w- she was uh, attacked by a Bengal tiger, what she shot, and then fell into the water? Yes. So the same thing kind of happens where uh, Grace wakes up on the shore where we see the Bengal tiger. Mm-hmm. And... Except she, and she's alive. Oh my goodness, uh, Grace is here. Grace. Um, Grace, come look out this window. Um, sorry, she she like looks up and you know a survivor till the end and looks straight into the faces of these Lakota uh, warriors that we saw chasing. Um, our, our heroes earlier, you know, Hector and Maeve and whatnot. And here's my early theory about this. Ooh. Give me a second. Ladies and gentlemen, early pool theory. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so I felt like there was a little bit of similarity between Grace and William in that she's very aware of the game as a game. Yes. You know? And so, depending on her perception of that, perhaps that you know, we don't really know what she does. Maybe she's with Delos. Oh. And that when she wakes up in this joint and sees these, you know, warriors about to murder her, that she is able to somehow get out of this on the condition that she can show them all this underground stuff that they're now aware of. Oh, so I don't know where that is ultimately going to lead. Just an early bow theory for now. Yeah. I, I really, I, I kind of hope they do something with this character. Cause I really like this character. You know, she's in two more episodes. That's we know that good to know. That's good to know. Um, cause she is, she's like instantly. I was like that. I, I welcome the show introducing new characters and let's, let's start doing some stuff. So it's not like for all, 
I, you know, I love the man in black character, and he's off doing his mission. Dolores is doing her his mission. Uh, her mission. We, we need these bits and bobs to like to continue, especially if we're going to build this kind of horizontal view of the Westworld universe, so to speak, the the park universe. We need to have these uh, these interactions with other characters and other things to expand it out. That's how you force depth to right. to, to all the parks. Which we essentially do in the final scene of this episode, where we go back to our group of known and beloved characters. Uh, it's the it's the Maeve and crew uh, who are now in an area where it's snowing, um, and you know, Sylvester is moaning about how cold he is, and they walk up towards this campfire. And while they're doing that, Lee is confused by this pile of snow, which he then starts to brush away. And I swear to God, I already knew where this was going when he started brushing it. Uh I I was like, that looks like a fucking samurai helmet. And he lifts up this severed samurai head, and I was like, oh, do this to me. Do it now. Um... (laughs) Like, honestly, I've never been so excited for something in my entire fucking life. And he's like, right, listen, we need to get out here now. And they're like, what? Well, that. And Maeve turns around. And Bo, what happens in the final shot of this episode? A uh, samurai warrior charges forward, sword raised. Yes. Uh, screaming a war cry. Right in the fucking screen. <laughs> And I, I think it's also worth pointing out that as they approach this camp, like they're saying, like, hey, we're kind of at the northern end of the park. Um, you know, the we've got a little uh, a couple of clicks or whatever towards this homestead or uh, whatever that may this after uh, in pursuit of her, of her kid. And they see this uh, the this campfire. And I can't remember who says it. My, maybe even Lee, who says, like, I wonder if they're friendly. Yeah. And Armistice says, if not, we kill them. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, Armistice. <laughs> You're right. You're right. 100% right. Well done, Armistice. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of curious about this sort of, you know, Fear the Westworld spinoff kind of thing with it with these other parks. I'm all for it. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Um, I'm just, I, I'm curious how it's going to be handled if we're going to kind of introduce it very slowly, uh, like we have been so far. Cause I'm kind of ready to jump in the deep end on this really. Yeah. yeah I'm with you. Um, but you know, I, we'll I see. Still, yeah, it's, I don't think we're going to end up in those parks though. I think it's the fact that these parks are going to bleed over in the Westworld. I'm with you. I want to go. I want to go to Children World. I want to, you know, I want our characters to go there. But I don't think her daughter is going to be there. I think the fact that, you know, Lee to said there, you know, two clicks or whatever, you know, at the the most northern port point of the park or whatever. Um, he's talking about Westworld. He's not talking about. An, I don't think so. I'd, I'd be surprised, but I don't think he's talking about, you know, being out with Westworld unless she's been reprogrammed and repurposed and put in. Shogun world, and maybe that's where I don't know. But the fact that we're on the outskirts um, of the park and it's bled into another part once again is this idea of you know the the constraints that held all these parks um, as individual kind of enclosed entities is no longer there, and as a result, the threats and dangers from 
from these worlds will sp- spill in, and if you're in Westworld, the worst thing you had to kind of fear uh, is bandits, um, you know, confederados, and these Native American tribes. But when you start straddling a different park, one that has fucking deadly trained samurai, the threat level changes. And that's what's exciting as a viewer from my point of view is the fact that this guy, this samurai does not come running out with a sword to kill a human. He was coming running out with that sword to kill Maeve. So what does that mean? You know, I, and I also, I, I don't know what the full extent is. We know that in terms of the, the, the kind of collapse of the code or the, 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 the awakening of the hosts that it has spanned out with Westworld to co- colonial world, for example. Um, but has it affected all the parks? Do we know it's affected all the parks? Um, cause like when, or when uh, Strang landed on the beach, there you know he was talking about the different parks, etc. But there was no mention of. It sounded like that was their landing point in Westworld. I wasn't aware of him saying that there was you know other landing points you know, to reclaim the park or reclaim the, the the HQ or whatever. This is where they were coming in through Westworld. So it wasn't explicit that maybe all the parks are actually free you know, in terms of the, the programming and stuff. So for all we know, Shogun World might be under the same constraints. And if it's not, what does that actually mean? And I think it, it just adds, there's so much we can go with what they're setting up and in a way which makes it really exciting. I don't know if we'll get to see any of these worlds or we're just going to get to see, well, maybe this season we're not going to get to see those worlds. Maybe we're just going to get to see them start to bleed into Westworld and what effect that'll have. And if that's the way we're going down, I mean, I want to see those worlds, but if that's what we get as this, as a precursor to open these things up, I'm totally down with that. Like, I legitimately got chills when that severed samurai head got lifted up because they teased Shogun World about a year ago for Westworld as this is where we could end up. And this is the first sign of it. And it just, it, they're playing with so much that makes me happy as a viewer because the potential is is almost unlimited. Uh, it's limitless potential for what they can actually do in Westworld. I think that's what makes it such an exciting show. Like, if you watch a Game of Thrones, you you know, you right, we started off with, 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 you know, like, knights and, you know, these, these kind of almost thugs these kind of, you know, kind of British warriors. But as that universe has expanded out, we started getting fucking dragons and, you know, giants and all the rest. And that's the exciting part of watching that show is seeing it develop out and become bigger and bigger. Westworld's got the same scope. As I think it's why HBO's funneling so much attention and money into Westworld is the, right, the gauntlet will be passed to you when Game of Thrones finishes next year. Westworld will be the, the flag bearer moving forward for, you know, the next couple of years. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, we know of Shogun World, we know of Colonial World, we don't know of any of the other ones that exist out there. And that, to me, is exciting. And the fact that they're starting to bleed in, I don't know, I, I'm in a position just now where, like, 
as as weird as it sounds, I'm in a position just now where the main story to me is the most interesting story in this season. It's the one I want to watch the most of, and it's the one that I'm getting the least of thus far, if you know what I mean. It's the one that I want to... It's not because I want her to find her, her girl. It's just every character in that group is a character I want to spend time with and I kind of like. Uh, whereas the other ones have this... Maybe the Man in Black and uh, Lawrence. I, you know, I like both those characters. Dolores, I, I, at the moment, I don't like her character. And it's... I, I know it's deliberate. They're doing it deliberately to make her dis, make me dislike her as a character. And they're doing their job very, very well. She's a great character. I just don't like her actions. I, you know, but the Maeve story is the one that I want to follow. And the Maeve story is the one that has given me, and this episode has given me, um, like American Indians, has given me Armistice with a fucking flamethrower, and now it's given me Samurai Warriors. How is that not the most exciting <laughs> storyline in Westworld at the moment? It's a pretty good show, Duncan. It's a fucking amazing show. What did you think overall of the episode then? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. Like, I, you know, I, the things that have been kind of nagging at me this season are the things I talked about on this show. Like, yeah, it, I felt like it was a bit of a bummer that we're not uh, getting the Bernard that I kind of know and love. Mm. But what are you going to do? Uh, I understand why we're not. I'm just, you know, I, I, I like the things I like. Yeah. And... Um, but yeah, like you said, there's also, holy shit, here comes Armistice with a flamethrower and here's this pretty rockin', um, you know, war sequence in the middle of, of the episode. And here's this tease about colonial world and who is this new character, Grace? And, oh, here's the return of Sylvester and Felix. And, you know, like there's just so much going on as well as all the stuff. I, you know, I, it's weird that the thing I'm kind of least interested in in this entire season is this storyline of getting Abernathy out of the park and what's in his head. I kind of don't care. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what we're going to get. Like, it's, it's obviously something that is important to Delos and it's something that you would imagine is a hangover from either Arnold or maybe Ford potentially I think it's no mm. I think it's no that when I was thinking about this a bit more I don't think it's any coincidence that Abernathy is a character that essentially kicked all this off with his, you know, that these violent delights have violent desires, or whatever the phrase is exactly. Um, you know, he's the one that said that originally, which Dolores heard, and that kicked her off her mission. I don't think it's any coincidence that he said that, yet he's the one that might be the key to what Delos wants as well. That to me feels like a deliberate thing, and if we already have this idea that Ford specifically set up things for Dolores to achieve this level up that she had using some sort of you know code left by Arnold or working off the back of a code left by Arnold, this dormant code that's left in there, you've got to wonder that Ford might have been involved with whatever's in that head. It was the thing that he didn't want Dallas to have. He was like mega skeptical of them. Um, which makes me lean towards that. That's maybe something that Ford, you know, Ford didn't want out the park information of whatever kind. It was, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't give them what they wanted in the first season. So maybe that's where that comes from. 
because we already like you could you could feel comfortable and safe in saying that this whole thing that everything that's happened has been of Ford's design or potentially Arnold's design. Uh, and since the grim zero, so to speak, is Abernathy's saying of that sentence, the, the kind of breakdown in that robot which kicked it all off, that that almost feels deliberate as opposed to accidental. Yeah, yeah. But then you, you start, like, the more obvious control that you have from either, you know, Albert or Ford, you get into the dicey discussion of, how much could they feasibly predict in terms of what's going to happen in the future, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so far the, the show has not gone crazy for that, but I think there is that danger, especially with the William stuff and Ford leading him on that journey of like the game will find you. And it's like, okay, but at what point is the, is that not just Ford leaving breadcrumbs and kind of guiding it from beyond the grave? Yeah. And th- and that's the part I think it would get a little like eh maybe that's bullshit. Yeah, I'm kind of with that as well. I want I want this to be like we know what their relationship was, and it doesn't sound like it was a healthy one either. You know what I mean? And we've also got to understand that Delos is the man in black's company, right? So yeah. while he's indulging himself in the park, <laughs> so to speak, um. His company is desperately trying to get this information out, which you would think is probably, you know, it's on his agenda somewhere as well, not personally to do it, but, you know what I mean? There's, unless they're working rogue away from his input, maybe, you know, he doesn't have an input on the operational side of things, but there's there's bleeding there as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, to me, they need to... In terms of interest-wise, I don't want to be waiting two, three episodes to find out what was in Abernathy's head. I want to kind of know next episode. You know what I mean? I don't I don't want this to spin out too long. Right, maybe a full understanding of what it means, right, you can flesh that out a bit longer, but we've seen Bernard's reaction to it, which means I need to know next episode, kind of, unless there's no Bernard scenes, then the episode after that. What... what what's going on with the Abernathy character. He's now being kidnapped. He's now on his way. Delos, you would imagine, are are getting ready to to take him away. But we know that doesn't happen. And the reason we know that doesn't happen is that in future time, like the present time, um when the you know Strang and his team uh with Bernard come across Hale Hale says, you know, that they're still hunting down Abernathy. He seems to keep getting away from them. And that's what would trigger the flashback from Bernard, like, to remember that. So we know that they've taken him away, but they obviously don't get him off the planet, or they don't, well, the planet, listen to me, because I'm thinking. Right, right. Space Station, I'm with you. I got you, Duncan. But he obviously doesn't get away. You know, so he obviously does get away. He doesn't get his brain cube taken away from him. Unless Hale was bluffing, and maybe Hale's done something, and that has blanked Bernard's memory. I don't know. We won't know that. That's a story that's going to continue to unfold. But Abernathy, on on fo- what we've seen thus far, um, is still out there as of the present day time frame with the information that Dallas wants. Right. Yeah. As far as we know, he is still. Like you said, he's kind of still on the loose. Yeah, which which um, le- which means that storyline's going to 
continue on for a bit, but Bernard knows what's in his head. So, or has it has seen something which has made his reaction, and I need to know what that is. So I would right, know. but I'm with you. Let's not let's not dick around. No, got enough know. mystery in the show, and enough things yeah. we can play around with. This to me feels like the wrong thing to you know, um, you know, to, to almost pitch our tent on and say right, this is the point where we're you know we can't give away this vital bit of information. Yeah, you can. There's plenty of other things that we can do, mystery and keep the entertainment and action going. Um, give us just let that, let that bit come out and then that to me makes Abernathy's character all the more important to get him once I know what he's got. You know what I mean? What what is it he has mm-hmm. that everyone's fighting for? I mean yeah I'm I'm kinda with you. Yeah. I felt I felt there are a couple of issues I think that this season has which are not like they're not deal breakers but they're noticeable in that the first season didn't have these issues. And I think it's and specifically in what you were saying is the the change of certain characters to what I perceive as being a slightly less interesting version of that character. Um, and it's obviously there to facilitate the, the the kind of plot, the overarching plot that we have for this season, which is cool. But uh, you do... The, the Bernard thing at the moment feels like it has like a, a lot of potential, but they're kind of dragging their heels on that story, which you could speed up. While stories like the the Maeve story feels like it really is gaining speed, and we've, the whole team's back together now, and we're all heading. That it feels like there's a lot of progress being made there. Dolores's story didn't really progress at all this this episode. She arrived at the fort. She's still at the fort. You know what I mean? She's no closer to glory. All she's done is sacrificed a lot of people and said to Terry, you know, some people, you know, don't don't deserve to come with us. Not everyone will make it to the, the promised land, so to speak. So that that hasn't really moved anywhere. Um and we'll see where things go next week. We'll see how much flashbacks we get, how many flash forwards we get. Do we get time with uh, the man in black? Hopefully we get plenty of samurai action. Hopefully we find out what's gonna going on with Abernathy's brain um, tons of stuff in this season which has really got me excited and really curious to see what they're going to do and how all these threads are going to be pulled together um, and yeah the, at the moment this season is doing everything right uh, there's just a couple of things I would change given that but I'm not yeah, in charge it's, so mo- yeah most of my complaints are like this better pale yeah Oh, definitely. You definitely. know, which is, it, it, it's tough to complain about something because it hasn't paid off yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, but yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a tremendous amount of fun. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, episode four, Duncan. Almost at the halfway mark. Almost at the halfway mark. And uh, yeah, but seriously, let's not dick around with this. What was in Abernathy's head. Yeah. This better, like episode four, better begin with, "Hey, look what we found in Abernathy's <laughs> head, everyone." Yeah, <laughs> and then I'm okay with it. Um, well, Duncan, I think that brings us to the end of uh, this particular episode mm-hmm. of Duncan and Bo go to Westworld. Um, if people would would care to reach you uh, or or listen to more of your stuff between now and next week, 
where could they do such a thing? Uh, come across and check out the podcast under the stairs. We are levying out so much content at the moment, it's unbelievable. Um, so this week we dropped an episode on Monday with myself and the Baz reviewing Downrange, uh, which you've heard me talk about already on this episode. Not a great movie. Um, there will also be the kickoff of our movie club. Um as well as very likely within a couple of days after this episode of Duncan and Bo dropping, uh, myself and the rather fantastic Ricky Morgan, he of Hail Ming fame, will be starting a look at the the, the Blind Dead series of movies. So, um, so the first two of those movies will appear probably Monday. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of fond of those movies. I've seen uh, two that I, two of the four I'm fully confident that I have seen. I think I may have seen the third one and I had no idea before agreeing to do this that there was a fourth one. So, uh, would that be Night of the Seagulls? Is that the, I have no idea what it's called. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to go in it as blind as possible, uh, because it's the Blind Dead series. Um, very nice. Very thank nice. You. Um, don't thank me. Don't thank me. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying try to go with as little knowledge as possible. It's been a couple of years. I, I remember really enjoying the first one and the second one to the point where they're like, yeah, they, these are these movies know what they are, and I kind of get behind that. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that series goes. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can check it out. Tputzcast.com, iTunes, and all that jazz. What about yourself, Bo? All that jazz indeed, Duncan. Yeah, uh, legionpodcasts.com is where you can find uh, all the all the shows what I do, uh, such as this one and Devour the Podcast and uh, the Shotcast and Hero Hero Go Show and a new one coming soon yeah, that I can't... Yeah, a new one's going to be bitching. Uh, oh my god, we... <laughs> spoilers, we recorded an episode on the movie Sharky's Machine. I've not seen um, that either. It is awful. <laughs> um, but in a way that I actually kind of recommend because it is so like that movie so badly wants to be Hitchcock. Oh no. But it's just all the worst parts of De Palma. Oh no. And it's, it's pretty staggering. Um, you ought to, you, I, if it weren't two hours long, it would be an easier recommend, but it's still a I'm going through all the movies that you're going to be covering in your new show. I will go through because I want to I want to get the jokes, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I want to get jokes and I want to get the dialogue. And I want to, I want to listen along having watched something and understanding context of everything you're discussing. That's one I really am here yeah. because I, I love the idea and concept of your new show that makes me want to watch those movies. So even if they are bad. Yeah, and and most of them will. Be. Um, but but thank you, and and more details on that will be uh, forthcoming. Those should start dropping in probably about two. Oh, weeks. you're about to spoil a lot of listeners, then. Yeah, it's gonna be like all everything. There, there's one episode yet to record, and then they'll start dropping. So, um, anyway, that's enough teasing. <laughs> Speaking of the the shogun tease of westworld but uh yeah um we'll be back next week with more from duncan and Bo. go to westworld uh in the meantime duncan how about you say good night to everybody say good night to everybody
Good night. Night. And that's Mick Ronson on lead guitar. I'm waiting for the man Twenty-six dollars in my hand Up to Lexington, a one, two, five So sick and dirty, more dead than alive I'm waiting for the man Hey, white boy, what you doing in town? Hey, white boy, you're chasing all the women around. Oh, pardon me, sir, it's the last thing on my mind. I'm just looking for a very good friend of my hands. I'm waiting for Gives you sweet taste, but then you.